into a bar on a cool winter's evening. Hello, and you're in the, the scoring. Uh, we'll my name is David Griffiths. I'm one of your co-hosts. And uh, tonight we have another one of our online Meet the Brewers sessions with Aaron from Watts River Brewing. And um, I'll introduce him properly in a minute, but long-time listeners will know that there's a bit of housekeeping and table setting and things that we like to do before we get underway. So I'm going to do a bit of that just to kick things off. Um, first of all, a big thank you to everyone who's joining us live on Zoom on Thursday night. Uh, some new friends joining us in the room tonight, so a special welcome to all of you. It's uh, fantastic to have Zoom joining us and fantastic to have so many downloads at the moment for the podcast version of things as well. So no matter how you're joining us, a big thank you. Uh, we have three main beers that we're going to be discussing tonight from Watts River. And so if you're uh, joining us either way, we encourage you to have a bottle of the Nipper, a bottle of the Brett Pale Ale and a bottle of the Stout ready to go. Um, if you've got the collabs and some of the other things, we're going to touch on those as well. But those are the main three that you need and um, you can either get them from the brewery or from our online store. And um, if you are particularly doing the podcast version, we encourage you to probably pause and grab those beers. And even if that means you come back and listen in a day or so, you're going to enjoy it a whole lot more if you can sort of experience that as we go along. Uh, we don't necessarily expect you to drink all three beers during the amount of time we have available for the podcast. We encourage you to drink responsibly. So uh, if you're drinking at home live with us on Zoom, feel free to just make yourselves a little tasting paddle and not finish each beer. Or if you're listening on the podcast version, feel free to pause after each of the beers. We'll make it pretty clear when we're about to move from one to the next one. And that way you can drink responsibly and remember and enjoy all the beers that you're, you're having. Um, we'll ask the guys from What's River in a second to tell us their social medias, but we very much appreciate it if you follow us on Instagram and Facebook on Cool Room Podcast. That way you can not only find out about future Meet the Brewers sessions, but we're also now doing our midweek sessions again. Uh, this week we spoke to Peter from Masterson's, who's been on before, uh, about how Masterson's in Mooney Ponds has been going with the COVID lockdown. But he's also in the process of setting up the Melbourne Small Bar Owners Association uh, to lobby for uh, the rights of small bar owners and related businesses to be heard in the, uh, in the process of coming out of lockdown. Um, it's a really important group and a very good and enjoyable conversation. So we'd encourage you to go back and check out that episode. Of course, check out some of the recent episodes with brewers we've had on, uh, Torboy and Moose and Kaiju and uh, Nomad, Lacerine, Sierra Nevada, all sorts of fun ones. Go back and check out the archives. And again, if you're uh, on our social medias, you can see what we've got coming up. Uh, next week is Urbanaut. And there are some really fun, fun, fun beers from them. Uh, beers that we get to blend together, different types of beers that we can um, blend differently in different parts for different people. Uh, we've got Akasha. And then, as I've hinted at before, our special Northern Hemisphere guests, which are now only a couple of weeks away. And um, that's going to be a pretty fun event when that happens. Uh, again, follow us on social media. And if you're not on our mailing list, make sure you're on the mailing list so that you don't miss out. On all of that, uh, I'll post a little link to our uh, Shopify account so that you can taste all of the new things. This Sunday, for those who've got the three New Deeds beers delivered by us this week, we're going to sit around about four o'clock on Sunday afternoon and try those beers together. There's also the re-release of the Beetle Gears and Behemoth from Kaiju, 
and a brand new bonehead, which has just gone up on the social medias tonight. All available for the delivery and all available for enjoying on Sunday afternoon. Um, the fact that I can't say delivery properly is probably proof that I've spoken for long enough in one go. Travis, I'm going to throw to you, brother. How are you? I'm well, David. Very well. It's, uh, it's going to be a good night. Um, so we will, we will kick things off. Um, everyone, I'm guessing you've opened up our first beer. Um, welcome, Aaron, to the cool room. Hey. Thank you. We're all going pretty well. We've been here for a little bit already having a couple of tasty beers and having a bit of a chat. Um, before... on, Trav. Trav, Trav, are you okay? I'm, okay. No, I'm, I am okay. Are you okay? Good. That's good. I'm doing all right. Good to hear. Happy are you um, okay to everyone. For those people that uh, listen from overseas, today is are you okay day here in Australia. So that's why Aaron was asking me if I'm okay. Um, I'm hoping everyone in the room's okay as well. So that's, that's good. Before we kick into the beer, Aaron, do you want to give us a, um, a picture of Watts River Brewing and the brewery and where you guys are located? Paint us a picture. Paint you a picture. Okay, so we are quite a small brewery. We're out in Yarra Valley, which is one of the premium wine areas of Victoria. So I live in sort of the eastern suburbs and my drive to work is sort of not usually sort of half an hour out into Yarra Valley. Um, so it's a quick, quick change from lots of industrial and suburban sort of things driving through. And then we get out to more Lilydale Coldstream where it starts to thin out a bit. And then there's a big turn off and we start to hit vineyards basically. And so we travel through vineyards for quite a while. We've got, you know, Will Watts River. We've got um, a few others coming through. We've got pass over the Yarra. And then we come into Hillsville, which is where our brewery is. And then we go into the one little industrial street in Hillsville. And that's, <laughs> that's where our brewery is. So we've kind of gone from suburban industrial through all this nice landscape. And now we're back at the one tiny little section of industrial again. Nice. And Hillsville's a lovely little spot for international listeners of whom we've got a few. It's where the, the Melbourne Zoo that's most fun to go to if you want to see Australian native animals. You can go to the main Melbourne Zoo in Parkville, but that's all your giraffes and bits and pieces that you see everywhere in the world, much as I love the Melbourne Zoo. But it's really the Hillsville one that's the, uh, the one where you can see all the native things. And then you can go and drop in and um, have a beer or two with what's, what's River. Yeah, we, we sponsored Hops Fest at the Sanctuary last year, which was great. We get, we get on really well with a heap of the keepers. They come in most Friday nights, so we, we know them pretty well. They don't bring any of their little furry or scaly friends with them? Unfortunately, no. Um, I've that, asked. That but... might be a good thing. I'm not sure exactly which Australian native animals I'd like to have running around um, in my bar. We, we regularly have a couple of the, um, the bird handlers. Oh, I don't think handler is the right word. Bird keeper. Um, to deal with some of the bigger raptors. So I'm always like, can you, can you bring me in an eagle and <laughs> for a while? And, yeah, Let it chill um, out on a weekend in the brewery. Yeah. Yep. Yes. A little barn owl or two could be fun. Yeah, keep the sparrows away. <laughs> <laughs> um, Aaron, uh, when, did, uh, when did you start the brewery? So, uh, 2015, end of 2015 is when we, we got going and brewed our first batch. Um, at that stage, we were brewing at a mate's brewery in Moorabbin before we got our own gear. So we got our premises and we started operating out of there, but we were brewing at um, the Riders facility in Moorabbin. And then 
it took us probably about a year to get gear in and get all our own stuff set up. And then early 2017, we started brewing on premises. And then once we started, as soon as we started brewing on premises, we opened our cell at all because we didn't, we didn't really want to have a cell at all where the brewery wasn't like, we didn't want people to come in just to a bar. We wanted it to be part of the brewery. So we tried to, we decided to hold off a little bit. Yeah, nice. And, and yeah, I guess um, for those people that haven't been out to the brewery, when you walk into that, in, in through your doors and you're presented with the bar behind you is the brewery. It, and it's, you know, it's quite an amazing look. It's um, yeah. Yeah. That's what we, what we like, we're, we're a bit rough. Like we're not a super polished venue, but you walk in and you are in the brewery and mm. up until now, pretty much owners and brewers are the ones behind the bar. Um, fairly recently ish. We've, we've got some staff working behind the bar too, but there's generally always a family member around um, doing something. So you, you rely on your family a bit to absolutely and um and okay. ben your partner in crime who was going to join us tonight uh, he can't make it so tell us how that sort of how did you guys kind of come together to create watch river yeah so ben and i met when we were both working at white rabbit so we've both been brewers for quite a while now it's been our gig for quite a while um, ben used to work at red hill before that i used to work nice. at hargraves hill um and then we both ended up working at white rabbit together um, we were put on shift together straight away. So we worked in the same shift pretty much the whole time we were there. Uh, we found we have very, pretty similar tastes in beers and things we like and production methods. And um, yeah, so when White Rabbit was decided to be wrapped up and they offered for us to go down to Geelong, we didn't want to go down to Geelong. Um, and we thought leaving the Yarra Valley was a bit of a mistake. So if we figured if, you know, if they're going to move out of Yarra Valley, we might as well start our own thing and give it a crack. Makes a lot of sense. It's, uh, you know, White Rabbit were there for a, a fair amount of time. And I guess when they they shut up shop, there was a sort of a hole in the area, really, wasn't there? Like, um, so yeah, no, that's makes sense. To the it was a bit of, like, we, we felt like we were part of like a call, cool, like a part of a, a pretty special group of people working there um, who'd established that and worked on it and built it up. And then it was sort of, it was moved out from us a little bit. So we, yeah, we thought we'd stay and keep going. And was there that opportunity for you guys to relocate? Like, was it a, was it a tough decision to turn around and go, you know, I'm not what I'm going to leave where I am and I'm going to start my own business. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty scary. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, it is scary. And we, we struggled. There's, there's not a lot of um, rental space in Hillsville. Uh, we were very lucky to get the, the factory that, we are in now, but there's, there's really not much around. They come up occasionally and get snapped up because it's, it's, there's not a lot there and it's an awesome place. It's sort of a gateway to a lot of places. So we were able to secure a, a location and we knew the area and it was sort of, people knew us a bit, so it was kind of, kind of had to do it. Yeah, that makes sense. It's yeah. Um, for those people in the Zoom room, we are being joined by Mr. Warren Wu, who is... 649. I think someone had that. Someone had 649 tonight. Ooh, so, Aaron, think... for you that aren't aware, we like to place a bet on what time Warren will join us in the Zoom room. Um, we have a winner. So, that's that's great. Congratulations, <laughs> James. Well played. Congratulations. <laughs> Good to and, see you uh, leaning in the way of your uh, washing line there for a moment, which was a bit disturbing, but that's all right. <laughs> 
And now that Warren's in the room, let's move on to the beer. So we're starting with the nipper. Yeah. I thought nipper would be a refreshing and easy way to get into these. And it's probably not the most average beer out there. 100%. We've, mm. we've sort of seen it. There's been, you know, there's been a few mid-range, mid-strength beers coming through over the last sort of, you know, six months or so. Um, I, and you can disagree with me on this. I kind of feel like you guys are a little bit ahead of the game in a craft brewery sense where the nip has been around for a few years now. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, we brewed it, yeah, two years ago. Yeah, for the Hillsville Music Festival. So how did it come about? What made you decide that for a music festival, you were going to brew a mid-strength? Uh, so we were supplying a bit of beer for those guys, because we get on, the guys that organise Hillsville Music Festival are excellent. They're lovely, lovely people. And it's like, it's a really good event. It's, and it's grown over the last couple of years dramatically. Um, so yeah, if you if it's on again, and they're doing a few online things at the moment as yes, well as sort of yep. a surrogate. So definitely check them out. For all those people that are out there listening to this, music festivals are those things where people would uh, collectively gather in a space to listen to live music on stages. It was um, you're showing your age time, and we're able to do it. Like yeah. Um. So, so yeah, like uh, they asked us. We were, we were supplying some beer for them and they were saying, oh, well, we, we really want a, like a, a light beer for some of our punters. Do you know anyone that, that does one? And we were like, we're a brewery. We could brew one. <laughs> and they're like, oh, really? You could just do that? Like, yeah, we can just do that. It's like, we don't answer 21 anymore. We can just do it. Um, and it turned out pretty good. And because of our venue, we, we really like to be family focused at our venue. We like people to stay and hang out with the kids and usually we've got kids running everywhere. Um, so having a low alcohol option there uh, was something that we thought was important as part of our venue as well. Uh, Absolutely. For the, Cause you know, if a family comes, someone's got to drive home. Um, so we should try and provide for them as well. And yeah, it's, it's all I really enjoy it. Um, the name Nipper is named after my grandfather. Um, cause him and his brother, even though they're five years, apart they always had this argument about who was actually the youngest in the family so they both called each other nipper as like a no i'm not the youngest you're the youngest nipper and i'd hear grandpa go oh, i'm just going over nip's place even though like my grandpa was five years older than him he still would have called nipper so it's this beer sort of speaks to that it's like it's a small beer um and it's light but it, it refuses to accept it you know? it, it deserves its place in the lineup now, can I just cut across with a small technical thing? I don't know whether it's you, Aaron, or somebody sounds like they're playing with a pen on a desk or something like that. Mm. I think I've muted everyone else, but... Is it my chair? Yes, could oh, be. Ah, I'll try and stay still. Sorry. That's right. We can remove some of that background noise in the edit. But we can't remove the bit where we talk about the editing in the edit. So that's in there now. Uh, Sorry to interrupt. Uh, the veil has fallen. <laughs> um, you're right on what you say. It's a very easy drinking beer and it, um, it just works brilliantly. Give us a, give us a breakdown on, on the profile of the beer, what, what the listeners should be tasting when they're trying it for the ones in the Zoom room and the ones that are going to be trying this down the track when they listen to the podcast. So the way we approached Nipper, um, sorry, I'm knocking my pen again. Um, was to give it its own 
merit. So there's, we find there's a lot of good mid-strength beers out there and there's a lot of flavorful things, but there's, there's the temptation to try and make them extremely characterful and or to make them extremely bland so it doesn't, you know, phase people. Um, so we try to brew this as its own thing and on its own merit. Uh, so we used uh, power malts. Like we don't we don't use crystal or caramel malts in any of our beers. It's just not not our thing. Ben and I don't particularly like them. Um, so there's a lot of wheat and some gold naked oats in there to try and give you a bit of roundness and richness, even though it is a small beer. Um, it shows you shows you how important ethanol is in beer. Like it's not just there to get you drunk. It's it's actually really important for flavour and aroma and body and all these other things. Um, so yeah, we built that base, really wheat heavy base with a bit of oats in there. And then we use some Czech Sarts, old school traditional European hop, which to me is like apricots and grass. Um, so that's the, the baseline that we use in there, which I think works well with the, the wheat, the sort of grassy note and the fruit. And then we use a little touch of some newer age hops. US Cascade is a little bit, that's not particularly new, but it's classic hop. And a little bit of Galaxy as well, just as sort of fruit enhancers of that character as well. So try and um, cover all the bases, but not go overboard on any of them and make it askew, if that makes sense. Yeah, nice. I tend to think of beers in um, audio spectrum, if that makes sense. Like, um, so you're, you're mastering EQ and, you, and you've got little gaps where you need to put frequencies and you, you've mm. got spikes and things. So the tops are the, the bright, acidic, toppy notes and then the base is like bitterness and tannin and then in the middle is all the different sections that sit in between each other and they've got to sit in their own little spot oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna sort of change things up here and ask one of warren's questions because i feel like that is quite relevant to uh something i noticed on your website that i hadn't noticed on any other brewery's website before and on each of your beers when you go to the beer page you have a little cross spectrum image for each of the individual beers oh, the personality where, profile. where it sits on the uh on the spectrum is that is that related to your audio idea is that something that you've a little bit yeah yep so um that came about when we were we were talking about branding um and just uh not so much branding as in like more like artwork and things like that um and talking with a mate that was a mate of ours that did all our artwork and he was we were talking about the beers and we we're trying to explain to him what they were and we found we were speaking about them as if they were people and like we'd, we'd speak about the IPA like it was you know and he's like this he's like he does this and he feels like this and that sort of thing and he was like you know you're talking about beer like they're they're different people don't you I'm like yeah and then uh, my wife is a psychology teacher so the whole um personality type thing uh, came from her and we found that we could you know, sort of give people the idea of what where we're going or out, you know, outset with these beers by plotting, mm -hmm. uh, giving them a personality to a certain degree. I feel like, I feel like personality is a perfect. Uh, sorry, Travis, I was, I was in, I was in a little muting frenzy there and I accidentally <laughs> uh, muted you. So my apologies. That is okay. I, I just noticed that halfway through talking. Um, and Trav, thanks for stealing a question from me. I, oh, now... that's okay, Warren. Sorry, I shouldn't have just <laughs> just quietly. You, you're smart enough now to come up with another do? question. You're smart enough to come up with another question on the fly, and like, 
Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> sure. All right. Sorry, Aaron. <laughs> you, that was a really good point. I was really fascinated. I, like, I'm fascinated. I, I, I think I'd make, I think my personality thing would be like Dungeons and Dragons. Like, they'd be lawful. Oh, yeah. Lawful, good and, oh, no. It's, yeah. I, I've just lost half the audience. Sorry. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Personalities. No, no, please continue. I, I kind of feel like this is related back to our June conversation earlier today. Yeah, yeah, Warren, yeah. So. Stuff that happened like 30 years ago that we're too, we're way too old for now. Yes. But the kids apparently love. <laughs> Aaron, you've also, just quickly, just all, the other thing that we noticed on your, on the, the beer profile pages was you put the, you put the, um, the Play-Doh number on. Yeah. Yeah. We like to give people as much information as they can and, um, like it's pretty common for people to put IBUs for business yeah. units on bottles these days, but if you then put a density on there as well, it gives you a, a better picture of what to expect. And that's a that's a finishing. Is that the finishing yeah. density? Finishing ah, which is so we only learned because because we're only we're only like Neanderthal brewers here. We only discovered Plato numbers last week. Yeah, um, you, you once know, you start, you, you'll never go back. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So you basically try, you can, well, for me, you can basically think of Play-Doh as a percentage. So two Play-Doh is 2% stuff, carbohydrates mm -hmm. and everything. So it's a, for talk, for planning things and seeing how things are tracking, it's a really, really useful scale. And it's a direct volume by volume scale. Huh. There you go. And you put all that on your bottles as well, don't you? Like on every one of your core range bottles, you have that information at, at hand, yeah? Yep, yep. And... Uh, that's we sort of we overprint them onto our labels so like a lot of breweries date code which is great um, pretty much all breweries should date code a production date on there but the way we do it we can put a few more a bit more information on there so we we include a bit more that was going to be my next question when you look at the bottle uh, your, your font and everything on the bottle is pretty much all white and then you've got your your best before date and your bottle date um, as well uh, as well as all the information in black. So was that just a, a marketing thing in the sense that that information obviously changes all the time? So it makes sense to. And how something, do you do? It's something we've wanted to do. Like uh, a white rabbit, we were we wanted to do that sort of thing, just because. Um, and it sort of shows that as brewers, we are very good at hitting specs. Like our that's that's our our job and our process. Um, but it's useful information if you know what it means. So we, we thought we'd try and keep it on there. Yeah, which, uh, you know, for a lot of the information there, including the Play-Doh stuff, I think a couple of weeks ago, um, listeners of the call room probably weren't aware of what it was. And now we've we, it keeps coming up, which is great. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, the more information we get on these things, the, the better for the people out there that are drinking the beers and um, those in the Zoom room tonight that are, that are trying the beers on the spot. So... Um, I'm about done with my nipper. I feel like we will potentially move on to our next beer, which is the Brett Ale. I think it's a good idea. I was just going I think to... that's a great idea. We said that we had a, a comment from someone in the Zoom room, and thank you to everyone who's typing in things as we go along. We only know them as iPhone, so I'm not exactly sure who iPhone was, but um, iPhone and her, I presume, husband, uh, both live down in Geelong, and you guys are delivering all the way from Hillsville to Geelong. So... Logistically, that's a pretty big undertaking in the, in the current times. It you know, shows your dedication to get the beers out to people. Yeah, well, it's 
desperate times at the moment, but um, and it's working well. Like it, it changes the amount of people that we can get beer to and interact with, and we can make sure we get it out to them fresh, straight from the brewery, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, we're doing weekly deliveries to Greater Melbourne, Geelong, Yarra Valley, down the peninsula a little bit too. And I know that's going to help out a few of our listeners getting beers to well. Seaford in particular, so we appreciate yeah, that. No market, and, um, <laughs> but you know that's been excellent. So thank you for doing that. Was that you, Mark, that I spoke to on the phone? Hey, hey, yes, going? Nice, <laughs> perfect. We love that. We love when uh, people come into the Zoom room um, after that communication that we've all had with Mark. Um, for for listeners in the Zoom room, and obviously for listeners that are listening to the podcast afterwards. Um, we are going to move on to the Brett Pale Ale now. Um, so feel free to open up and pour into a glass. You can drink out of the bottle if you wish, but pouring into a glass is the better option. Now, Aaron, you said to me in an email the other day, just while we were on this, that you hoped that you took the beers home with you. I'm guessing you took all the beers home with you. I do. I remembered I was good. <laughs> My phone reminded me. <laughs> In time. <laughs> what, would we, what would we do without phones these days? Like, oh, man. Oh, it, does that wake you up at night sometimes? Like dependency on phones? I've got a new boy. I've got a one-month-old here, so I don't have to worry about a phone. <laughs> <laughs> Enough waking him up at night. I, I remember just... I'd, I'd travel with my wife to... We were at Fez in Morocco just as a new iPhone was coming out. And iPhone, I don't think iPhone Maps was out then. But in Fez, like the main, like the, the middle part, the market area, it's, it's just like it showed the width alleyways just for, for, for ages. And there's no street signs. There's no nothing. And everything looks exactly the same. And to, you, you just, you, you could get lost in a heartbeat. Nowadays, though, it, it, it almost can't happen. Like you whip out your phone, you go a satellite image. It's 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 just yeah. The, to travel is completely different. Like going around old towns, you used to have to find the the big sign, the civic the civic map that every town has. Which is interesting. Warren, the first time I went to Watts River Brewery, I thought to myself as we were driving down that road that if we didn't have Google Maps or Apple Maps at the time, I probably would have got lost finding the place. Oh, yeah. And we'd only come from Four Pillars, which is literally around the corner. So, <laughs> back, to, back to the delivery thing, it's making, you know, we're doing a lot of deliveries. If you've got 14 deliveries to do all over Melbourne a day, and it amazes me how accurate all the maps are now. I, mm. you, can, you can find mm. stuff. Where would we be without Circuit app? Which is, oh, is you know, that's the David what I like found is a good app. You can't yep. get lost physically on the way to places anymore. That thanks to Warren, we can get lost sort of in a conversation and yeah, become how awesome you know, is it? And going down a different road, into a cul-de-sac, and get yeah. lost behind a hill somewhere. So you thought we got this shit all out of our system when we did the midweek podcast, <laughs> didn't you? But no, oh, oh we did not. And on that. I'm going to hand the reins over oh, yeah, to Warren Wu and he's going to uh, lead us in the Brett Pale Ale minus one question. So, so, so the Brett, uh, let's, let's start with a little bit of history. This is one of your seasonal ales. Uh, so um, the Brett Pale Ale, um, for everyone 
playing along at home, Brad is short for Botanomyces. In the wine game, it's a yeast infection. In the beer game, though, completely different kettle of fish. Give us a little history on the, the Brett Parallel. Why, why did you decide to, to jump into a Brett-infected uh, beer? Yeah, we do. We do scare off a couple of the winemakers around us, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, Britannus Mice beers. There's not many of them around, um, and it's something that Ben and I really enjoy. Um, Ben's favourite beer in the entire world is Orval. If any of you guys have ever had that, that's a yeah. that's a sort of a Belgian pale ale that then's been, then been bottle conditioned with Brett. Um, and then a, a completely like if you get a young one, it's all hoppy and fresh and then you age it and keep it there for a while and then the brett slowly starts to take over and it gets that sort of sherbety lemon tannic thing going on um so you get all these different versions of it depending on how old it is um yeah so how old is the one that we've got in our hands at the moment this one is our third most recent iteration but it would have it spent eight months in tank before it was bottled so yep it's not a very cost-effective beer for us to make, but we make it because it's something we love. Um, so it, it does hold up a tank for us for at least six months. Yeah, right. Um, generally speaking. So we've done three batches um, so far, and they've been slightly different the way we've done them each time. Um, and it's and it's seasonal because, because it takes so long, inevitably we run out and we have to wait for the next one to be ready sort of thing. Hmm. We've um, time. It's and and I'm kind of interested because I I don't actually know well I know some of the process on how how Brett happens in beers but but is it inoculated do you do you like just just pitch pitch it like you would yeast is that how it's done in modern breweries Yeah a lot of the time um that's how we do it we we brew a base beer which is um basically um our blonde so uh, the base word is extremely similar to our blonde, but then we ferment it with a, a primary yeast. And then as soon after that's kicked off, we then propagate some Britannomyces and then inject that into the tank as well, uh, a certain amount. So then they can sort of coexist for a little bit. And then once the, the primary yeast dies off, the Britannomyces keeps going. Um, Brett has a huge amount of sort of enzymatic power. So it can take lots of things and then break them down into their smaller parts and chew them up and they, they even have the ability to like chew on the cellulose in in the wood in a barrel sort of thing. So yeah, right. we find yeah. it's the three versions of this we've done have started off with three different primary yeasts. The first one was our house yeast at the time, which is a neutral American ale sort of house yeast thing. Um, we found that was good, but it didn't have enough character for us. Um, the next one was the Ardennes strain, a Belgian strain. We found that was a lot better. Oh, it was different and more characterful. Um, and then this one is a, a French saison yeast for the primary yeast. So we find that you need to give the Brett something to work with. So therefore we try and um, uh, create a lot of carbohydrate in there by mashing hot and also using a characterful yeast to begin with. So then there's all these esters and phenols and things for the Brett to then act on, if that makes sense. Is the is the base kind of blonde thing a nod to the Belgian beers? Is that a little thing, or is it? Did you guys have another reason for? It's more to show the dramatic difference that Brett can make. 
Sure. Um, yep. So we could then serve the blonde and this side by side and say, uh, see why they're different? Because all that time in tank with that yeast did that. And that's, that's how it's different. Were the French okay with giving up their Saison yeast or did you have to go over there and hide it in a sock on the way home or something like that? Thankfully, I didn't have to fight them for it. We've got, <laughs> I reckon there's some ninjas at the, the propagation labs that do that sort of thing. It might well be the case. What, what, should, uh, what should people be expecting from this beer? Like what, what are the traits that you really want to, that you're looking at, at highlighting and what you really want people to see? Okay, the things that I love about Brett beers are the super dryness and mm. because of that, the spritzy sort of effervescence you get in the mouse because of it, because because the that yeast can eat so much, it can take the gravity down really far and not leave a lot behind and therefore you get this really nice um, dry spritzy mineral mm. sort of character. Uh-huh. Um, for this bottle, we've used Britannomyces broxolensis. Um, which for me, the, it's the sherbet-y character that that yeast gives that I really dig. Um, sherbet and pineapple sort of thing, um, subtle characters in there. And then there's this nice, um, almost tannic bite that Brett brings to a beer. Um, if you ever get a, like a young bottle of Orval and an old bottle, you really notice that, that it brings a sort of rounding, supportive bitterness to the beer, mm. um, which is it's not like hot bitterness. It's sort of sharper and brighter, which I don't know if that comes across right, but... It's a very elegant, it transforms into a very dry, lean, elegant, spritzy sort of beer, which I really dig. Is, so you mentioned that the Britannomyces, the particular variety, what, what's the word I'm looking for? I think it's variety. Let's stick with variety. Well, strain, yeah. What's a, so, so you've tried other strains? Is this, so what's, what, yeah, is, is the strain something that you guys are interested in exploring? Yeah, what's the other st- strains Absolutely. you've tried? Um, so it's just like in the Saccharomyces side of brewing, Britannomyces has, Britannomyces has all these different strains that have different characteristics and different properties and things that they do. Um, it's not so well, uh, you know, explored and propagated because it's classed by, you know, the wine industry and a lot of people as a, an infection or a contamination. Um, but yeah, there's, there is that same variety there as well. Um, so yeah, for Bruxellensis, I get more of that sherbetty pineapple thing. Um, we've used the light one before that had Britannomyces clausenii, which was a lot softer, um, not quite as punchy, um, much more on the pineapple side of things. Um, and there's Brett Lambicus, and people, are, American brewers are propagating their own strains of bread that they find all over the place all the time. It's kind of a bit of an unexplored world too. <laughs> How do the wine, uh, wineries react as you drive down through Yarra Valley oh, yeah. with your big, bright, what's river brewing uh, truck? Do they just sort of run ahead of you, shutting gates and sitting in rocking chairs with a shotgun broken over their knee? I, I do enjoy men- mentioning some of our beers when, when I'm walking through their wineries just to see what the reaction is. But I really yeah, so, should have so washed some of them, my boots today. Some of them avoid us. Some of, you know, that's fine. <laughs> some of them don't. Apparently... The Britannomyces yeast can can penetrate like a foot into concrete. Like, really? Yeah, like it is it is crazy aggressive. Yeah, no, that's yeah. You you if you if you have it in your winery and you don't want it, you're you've you've got a lot of work ahead of you. It's, yeah, that's like yeah. Seriously, well, we we have extremely rigorous sanitation practices in our our brewing, and 
the Brett's one of the one of the reasons that we have that. We have it because it's our normal standard, but we wouldn't feel comfortable brewing with Brett if we didn't have our sanitation up to scratch. Uh, I thought I might move on and just quickly chat about the other Brett beer that some of our our listeners probably picked up in the pack as well. So that's a collab with um with uh, Sailor's Grave. How did that yeah. come about? And give us a bit of background with that little guy. Ah, oh, so Chris and Gabby from Sailor's Grave are excellent. They're lovely, lovely people. They make great beer. And we've been talking about doing a collab with them for quite a few years now. Um, and it just, just never sort of happened. And then we finally got around to it. And we thought, I my parents were growing pineapple sage, which I, you know, the Sailor's Grave style is to forage for ingredients a lot of the time and then source them and infuse them in wacky and wonderful ways. So I thought, I was like, oh, I've, I've got all this pineapple sage that smells amazing. What do you reckon we do that? And they were sort of like, yeah, great. You guys do bread. How about we do a bread beer? So we used a bit of, sort of a bit of their style, a bit of our style and brought it together. So that one had, uh, the primary yeast was a really fruity English ale strain. So it produced a lot of esters, a lot of fruit character. Um, and then yes, I used uh, the pineapple sage that my, my dad grew. And then once we transferred it into the barrels, we added the botanomyces and we topped it up with pineapple puree as well. And a little bit of galaxy hops as well. So we sort of picked a lot of angles to try and get similar flavors to try and blur mm-hmm. the line between them. So the pineapple bread thing with the pineapple sage and the pineapple fruit and the fruity galaxy hops and the oak character. So they're all variants on a theme. So hopefully it melds into one. It's hard to pick what's contributing what. That was a plan anyway. I think it's good. Good God, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Is that still available through our shop, David? Uh, no, it's not actually. We sold out of all of our allotment. So um, now normally I'd say, you know, contact us to get it. But uh, pretty obviously the guys are distributing just as far and wide as we are. So uh, I don't want to well, cut their lunch. So feel free to grab it from whoever you prefer to get it from. Well, further and wider, really, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, we got a few cases left. And like Brett beers, it's one of the, the wonderful things about them is they're, they're not going to go off. They're not going to stale. Like it yeah. keeps me grey worrying that our beers are going to get old and oxidised. But with Brett beers, they're alive in the bottle. They're still doing stuff and they're still churning away in there. So it's, it's quite a bit of a good piece of comfort knowing that it's, it's going to survive. Well, while we're on the... Um... While we're on uh, collaborations, have you got anything else coming up? Is there anything that you'd like to drop? Any? Uh, not in terms of collabs. We've got lots of beers that we're always we're always putting out single batch beers um, because we have such a small brew house. We've got a little five hundred litre brew house. If I haven't said that already, yeah. and we sort of scaled it that way to allow us to do things, so we can still keep turning over fresh beer all the time for one thing, and single batch beers. So the brewery always has something different and interesting. Um, we could have, it would have been more economical to get a bigger brew house. So it's, it's all happening at, at once in bigger batches, but we felt we needed something smaller so we could be a bit more interesting and diverse and that sort of thing. So what's going on? We had um, big Imperial Stout we just released called Sasquatch, which disappeared in under a week, blew my mind. Mm. Um, and this week we've just released a little grisette 
a little 4.2 Belgian grisette. Nice. It's a really cool style. Fun story too. Um, so you all know Saison, the story of Saison. You know, in beer style. Tell, tell, it for, tell it for listeners who may not. Oh, yeah, we're constantly yeah. getting okay. new people in who are very new to beer. And that's part of what we like to do is to, you know, not make any presumptions about people's knowledge. So take it all with a grain of salt because... Oh, I didn't all, know you all, made a Saison with salt, but okay, sure. <laughs> step all step the, one. All the, the stylistic song. stories. The song. A lot of these styles and all the stories about the styles, you got to sort of, yeah, take it with a grain of salt because mm. they are stories. And there is some truth in there, but it's, they're perpetuated stories as well. So Saison, the story is that it was uh, the farmhouse ale that, was made out of the, the grains that were available on the farm. So you had an excess of grains or you had farm hands that you needed to, to pay in beer or you needed to keep, you know, motivated to work in the fields. So you brew beer and you keep it for them and that would be sort of saison. Um, grisette was the industrial version of that. So rather than being out on the farm with the unmalted grains and things like that, it was in the industrial area where most likely the lot houses were. So you'd have particularly malted grains and you wouldn't be feeding farmhands, you'd be feeding miners and blacksmiths. Um, and so the, the story is that a grisette is what you want to drink when you come up out of a hard day in the mine. Uh, I'd never heard that version of that Yeah, neither. Well, that's good. That's really good. Again, I've, no, no, I think we, it's the, true. <laughs> the romantic stories are so much better than usually the actual stories. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like that's the... I've also, heard that, um, sounds... I've also heard that grisette means concubine as well. So apparently that's what you want when you come up out of a mine. Don't know about well, that. See, I always think of it as such a delicate sort of nice word that I wouldn't have thought about, you know, yeah. blacksmiths wanting it. But, well, there you go. You've it's the French, away though. some of my innocence. We've got to <laughs> yeah, give it to the French for, for romanticising miners' will. Um, so, uh, okay, so Jane in our room has asked a really great question. How long should we sell uh, uh, Brett beers? Is, is, so this particular one, if we had a couple of bottles, try one now for, for fun, but then putting it away, why, how long would we put another one away just to see what happens? I think, well, you could, you could store it indefinitely, basically. But I think you'd have diminishing returns in, in the amount of change that you'd see mm-hmm. after a certain time. But I think if I had a case of six and I tried one every three months, I'd see an interest, interesting difference over that time. Change. Right. But then maybe yeah. keep one to try it a couple of years. It, it strikes me that you might be trying to sell a lot of beer to people. <laughs> you can't possibly buy one. You need case to buy six. <laughs> But then you need the extra one for for the next three years. I I get a um, I get a Brett ale from another brewery. Oh, Travis! Awesome. No, Travis, why would you do that? Every every year that I get it, I'll drink the Which previous one year's one. So I I wait the year, buy the new release, drink the previous one. Oh, yeah. Which which one? I mean, which brewery is it? I'm not sure we're allowed to say it because it's not one of Dave's not not so keen on this brewery. So, oh, oh no, you definitely have to say it now. <laughs> I'll put it in the chat. <laughs> oh, Ver- Corey, who hasn't changed his name to not Corey yet, is suggesting Vertical Brett, which sounds like a great name for a, uh, oh, a band. Oh, those guys, yeah. Yes, I'm, 
I've never, I've never tried. I didn't even know they did it. I think I, if it's the beer I'm thinking of, I really enjoy it too. So. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting after a year if you sort of sit them side by side. It's yeah, it's, it's a nice experiment. Okay, let's let's move on from special secret beer. <laughs> let's talk about things we can share with the audience. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> share with share with the greater audience as opposed to the ones that can click on the chat on the chat box and and discuss it there. Let's talk about stout. Should yes. we give everyone? Oh. Let, We'll have a chat about other stuff while people are cracking their stout, and then we'll we'll talk about stout. How's that? You right didn't want to ask question four off your Brett Pale Ale question list. Oh, oh. did I fi- did I miss a question? Did I, not only did Trav steal a question, but then I missed a question. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about that while <laughs> this we're is cracking. A good option to talk about that while we're all finished yeah cracking a beer. Brett. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly that's what I had in mind, Trav. Good. Better. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's gone. Where's he gone? He really has gone. Um, oh, he's done. Mic drop. Well, we were going to ask, as you probably saw in the show notes that we so diligently sent through earlier. Oh, no. Warren. Warren's back. Sorry, you know, there was a minor issue that I had to quickly correct. Um, yeah, so, um, so COVID, as people are cracking their stout, uh, COVID, how has it affected you? What's been going on? Is it? It's been shit for everyone, but hopefully there's a silver lining it can tell us about. Yeah, we are we are lucky that we are in a um, uh, an industry that is still fairly operational. Um, we've had to change how we do things a bit, and we split into teams to sort of avoid each other a bit um, and that sort of stuff. Um, ben and I aren't on site at the same time at the moment, which I think is pretty normal in a lot of lot of workplaces to split up. So yeah, it's odd. Um, we're there at weird hours, staying away from each other and trying to keep production going. Uh, we're doing a lot of deliveries, which is good. I'm um, trying to get beer out to people. Um, we're making we're making a fair bit of hand. We got a still, which is really exciting. It's something I've been wanting to do for a while, but this has sort of made it happen. So we've been making a bit of a bit of hand sizer, hand sanitizer. We've we've got a um a reflux still for that, but we've also just set up uh, a pot still as well. So I was distilling uh, a bit of whiskey wash today. I'm really pumped about. So yeah, a bit of bit of diversity through that. Uh, we're trying to keep our locals still in contact and trying to keep them going. We've been doing music on Facebook because we at the brewery we usually have Friday nights live music, and um, Saturdays were tourism and tour groups and a bit of locals. But Fridays is basically locals night. That's where we see all the guys that we know. Um, so we've tried to keep that going a little bit through Facebook. Um, yeah, and it's a bit of a chance to get single batch things out and fun things. This is a bit of a bit of a gap in our production. But yeah, it's it's odd. It's, been, it's odd for everyone. Have have you found have, have you had to? Is there anything you've had to can that you're really holding out to to kick off? Like the still's great that you've got you've got yeah another arm that you've added and mm-hmm. you've had the opportunity. But yeah, is there something on the flip side? Yeah, we were, it's kind of, I was talking to Ben about this when this all first started. Like we were both after, what is it, five years, four four odd years now, we were both starting to just sort of relax a little bit. We're like, yeah, this is, we're actually starting to get a little bit more comfortable. We can actually, you know, employ a couple of staff and, you know, not work all the time. And we can start thinking about how we 
you know, extend what we can do at the brewery and work mm. on things. And so we were looking into equipment that would make our production a lot better and make our lives a bit easier. And then that happened. I'm like, oh, that's, you know, that's not going to happen, is it? But we're still here and we can still make beer and I still get to go to work and make stuff. It's great. How many people have you got on your team? Like how many people did you have to split up? Just out of interest to get a, a sense uh, so of how had, big you are. We had a couple of casual staff at the cellar door who we couldn't continue. They were casuals. So we couldn't continue to employ them at the moment, but they're still there. And once we get up and going again, we're going to get them straight back in again. We've got two uh, part-time cellar door staff who were great. And then there's me and Ben and there's our wives. Um, yeah, so Ben and I take care of most of the stuff. We take care of production and getting stuff in and out and deliveries and all that sort of thing. Oh, we've got a seller hand as well, chance. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to throw in another question why everyone's still in, um, grabbing their stout. Uh, Shane has, uh, actually, Miles has asked. Uh, this is a question. I love this question. Yeah, I kind of like it too because I know I know a couple of wineries that play music to their their beers, and they play different music to different. Oh, not beers, they're wines, and they play different music to different wines. Um, but yeah, do you, do you guys do you guys play music to your beers? Coming off that question about having live music on Fridays, as in to help them ferment. Yeah, to, yeah, to help them fer- to help them ferment to give them a little personality to to help with their personality. Yeah, we can and, do that. Oh, do you? No. Oh, we let, well, we uh, we always have music on in the brewery, but we don't yeah. specifically tune it for the yeast. I've all I've one of the brewers at, at White Rabbit. We used to talk about this though, like how we could use um, sonic waves to agitate a ferment to affect it. Uh. Um, yeah, we never went into that because you can get like sonic baths to de yeah. samples and things. Um, and we always wondered how we do that to agitate the ferment and affect it in a certain way. Someone was doing that with cold brew coffee. Oh, really? Yeah, they were trying to brew coffee with sonic agitation, yeah. which yeah. I think is just yeah, it's I love it. It's nutty, like it's it's something. Sounds great. Like, yeah, yeah, it's uh, any anything that can that can uh, change the, or experiment, change the the aging narrative that we have with these things. So, is there any? Um, do you guys have anything wacky that you do do to to help the the uh, ferment along is there anything um, and i'm just i'm just kind of digging for questions or digging for goss i suppose <laughs> wacky things about us yeah um, that's all. the strange thing is like for you guys that can see me on the screen i'm a bit hairy at the moment and usually i'm the clean shaven one and ben has big mutton chops so i think that's part of our, our character so maybe that's what motivates us around <laughs> I mean, cool looks, but I don't know. You haven't been. We're not. We're not dancers. Those, yeah. You um, haven't had one of those beers where you, you use your own beard yeast as a starter, which scares the bejesus out of me. I've got to say, but you know, we we do do some um, spontaneous ferments. So we've got a an old ex dairy tank that we use as a cool ship. So we'll we'll knock oh, it wow. out into into that hot, and then drag it outside into the the open Hillsville air on very cold nights overnight to just be inoculated with whatever's in the atmosphere and then we yeah, get that going and then put it into barrels and we've got 40 odd barrels of various things some of the spontaneous like that some are uh, specific bread beers but you haven't yeah. wheeled it down to the sanctuary just to sort of get a particularly echidna oh, taste into something or? i would love to that sounds great 
Nice to talk to some guys. Yeah, I, I think you've got the connections you need. And beer's very persuasive. <laughs> you win a lot yeah. of friends with beer. That's exactly right. The um, David would probably be would be. Um, I don't know. You'd probably be flabbergasted. I think it was rootstock. One of there, there was a, there's a natural, I think there's a natural wine and food festival that goes on. And someone suggested, someone was wondering what they could do with, like they were talking about sustainability and so on and so forth. So they distilled all the spit buckets from the event. Oh, I heard that. Um, I can't remember the name. It was, someone reminded me of it the other day. I just yeah, but they distilled it, and it's actually a good whiskey. Like it's got it's got some character. <laughs> I feel like I want to move the conversation on before we start to talk about all of the other disgusting ways that you can start a natural process. So, getting drunk. If um if if people haven't already taken the cue that Warren gave ten minutes ago to get your stouts ready, why don't we take this moment to do that? And um, just give people a chicken second to get their glasses clean and ready to go. By the way, um, three thirty mil hand grenades are awesome. Damn, awesome! I, I totally. And you know what? Um, a part of me digs them for what they are. The other part... Are you just destroying one of my questions? I was just going to say this. I feel like Warren's just That's exactly the one you're doing. That's exactly... <laughs> question. You know it was me that stole your question. <laughs> you know I didn't read further down than my questions. I <laughs> didn't know that you'd read as far as your question. So <laughs> well, it was... Surprise, surprise. Um, anyway, moving right along the before second Warren bit... gets to destroy my <laughs> shtick. The second bit I love about it is anyone who grew up with a mum who made tomato sauce, it's the same as an easy sauce bottle. Yeah. It's, well, it's pretty close. Well, it's a smaller version. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. close. And I just, when I saw that, I just thought that's, that's magic. That's, that's Easy true. sauce is good stuff. It's really good stuff. For anyone who doesn't know, Google it and then, and then make yourself some tomato sauce at the end of, <clears throat> end of autumn. <laughs> Um, Mr. David Griffith, our, our superior leader is going to lead us in the stout. If everyone's got their stouts opened, I think we'll, uh, move on to the stout. Well, thank you. Superior leader sounds dangerously like some sort of cult that, you know, I'm a bit worried about being associated with, but well, we I'll are, take it. I'll run with that. Well, thank you. We are living in Victoria at the moment. So mm. it's like. I've only just discovered what a new waiver is. You know, that's a thing. No, you just, don't, you, you just don't do want me to... on so many different fronts tonight, Warren. I'm just <laughs> going to keep moving the show along. <laughs> We've got the stout in this delightful little hand grenade-sized bottle, which we'll come back to two and talk about in a minute. But let's start out with a general chat about the stout that we're pouring and enjoying at the moment. Um, just coming, you know, it's been a nice, beautiful, sunny day in Melbourne for the first time in ages, and yet here we are drinking a delicious stout. How do you sort of feel about that question of? You know, a stout's a winter beer or are they an all-year-round beer for you? They are absolutely an all-year-round beer for me. Um, and I think we find that a lot of stouts are quite sweet and robust, um, which is well, people stouts that people have had interaction with, and it kind of gives them a bit of a bad rep. 
Yep. Um, a, a lot of the time at the cellar door when we do tastings, uh, I'll put a stout down in front of someone and they'll take a little step backwards, like, oh, no, that's that's going to be thick. That's that's a meal in a glass. And we're like, well, actually, our stout's not particularly different to any of our other beers. So just, just have a try. So tell us what sort of flavours and sensations we should be getting, you know, on the nose as we first open it and will it change a bit as we go along? Good, yeah. So our stout is a dry stout. We keep pretty much all our beers on the drier end because that's what, what we prefer. Um, and this, and we don't use any, like I said, we don't use any crystal malts, caramel malts. So we steer away from that that sweet aspect. That's just a personal preference. Um, and in this, this is based on uh, an old recipe of, of Ben's, great, that we used to love. Um, and it's sort of pairing together the roasty coffee aspect of darkly killed malts and a little bit of smoke to keep it in that that savoury camp. So we, we lean, there's a little bit of oats in there to fill out the mouthfeel, but we're definitely leaning towards the roasty coffee, dark chocolate um, roast side of things. And then there's a little ham hock. See, uh, actually, it comes across very different, but a little little smoke note in there to keep it in the savoury camp, not in the desserty chocolate cake camp. Um, and that bit of smoke, that phenol, everyone picks up really differently. And from serving it to people at the cellar door, it's something I've, I've learned even more. It's everyone picks, has a different threshold for, for smoke. Um, some people, they get the glass halfway to their face and they're like, whoa, that's smoky. Um, and other people like Mick, who is at our cellar door, he, he doesn't pick it up at all. Um, and some people get it as yeah, ham hock bacon. Oh, yeah, I definitely get that. It makes me want to cook ham hock on the weekend. It really genuinely does. Um, some people get it as seaweed. Um, but some people get it as campfire, like an acrid thing. Um, yeah, so that's really everyone's experience with that is, is really different, which is fascinating. You, you've touched on a whole lot of flavours there that many people would be used to getting in stouts now, but often it's because brewers are using adjuncts to sort of put extra bits of those flavours in. How do you sort of feel about that conversation of whether, you know, brewers get them just by using traditional beer brewing methods or, you know, adding other flavours to really bring out that kind of, that kind of flavour? I'm, I'm not against people putting, you know, adjuncts and extra ingredients and flavorings in beer and things it's not it's not really we do we put a bit of fruit in some of our single batch beers um uh, mr quincy that we do each year has a little bit of vanilla in it as well um but it's not really our thing to add chocolate flavoring or things i was just like trying that. to get a bit of controversy in so you know just <laughs> feel free to tee off on you know any brewery you don't like but well you know those guys down the road what they yeah, do. yeah that's that's who i was talking <laughs> about yeah them <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the four pillars, the way that is to add olives to anything, it's an outrage, I tell you. That gin's pretty awesome. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't had it yet, but I really want to, I've got to say. I had a little taste of it the other day. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And I guess, you know, one of the questions in terms of, I guess this would be a traditional stout, you know, in terms of, you know, without any of those sort of other bits and pieces. Do you think that we're seeing a return to, you know, traditional stout flavours. We've had a number of lagers and pilsners on the show lately as well. Some of those sort of more traditional European ones rather than just IPA, IPA, IPA. So um, I would like to see more variety of dark beer um, on the market and available. 
because it's something that, yeah, it's sort of people shy away from because of the way it looks and probably because of their experience they've had when they were younger, they've had a Guinness, um, which is a very different thing. And the nitrogen character, some people don't dig and um, yeah. the way it's served. So they've, that's kind of been, and you know, all those old stories that stout's got beef stock in it and you should give it to um, breastfeeding mums and they don't like that when gone. you just walk down the street and start handing it out to people. That's... <laughs> there's, there's, there's sort of a bit of a mystique and stuff around around stout, which yeah, I'd like to see it become a, a bit more mainstream. But yeah, we'll see. I think there's something just to, just for Travis <laughs> and his just for Travis because he's the only one with a baby who might be in that breastfeeding category. Uh, apparently, uh, multi malt, malt and and uh, lactation they they. They go together, so maybe there is something in that Guinness. <laughs> David is. <laughs> I've had this idea in my head recently, where it's like, which beer should Lauren be drinking when she's breastfeeding? Yeah. And uh, it turns out there's an app that you can download, and this is way off subject. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a beer. Qu- it's beer. Download. So if you have a beer while you're breastfeeding, and key into the app the alcohol content of the beer. It will tell you when it's out of your system and you can go back to breastfeeding. So as long as the oh, baby... I think it's probably really important to consider the effects of alcohol on yeah. newborn brains. So I'm just going to throw that in there along <laughs> the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, off you go, Travis. You look like I was you just going to say, no, I was going to throw back to you, David, because I feel like I feel like I need to ring the bell because I was the one. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the question so that we have written down here... Uh, Warren has already asked, which is about the size of bottle and so forth. I'm gonna, but we didn't. In my, in no, my no, search hold on. We didn't explore. In my no. search for controversy, I'm gonna phrase it somewhat dif- differently. Which is, uh, in the last few years in Melbourne brewing, we've seen that real change from bottles to cans. Do you ever feel a sort of a pressure to to move that way? And what keeps you guys brewing in bottles rather than going in that direction? Well, initially. Very, very initially, our plan was to go all cans. And this was because we were trying to get the other breweries that we worked for to start putting some product in cans. So this was this was early on in the can thing, yeah, four or five years ago. Um, so that was our initial plan. But because we were using someone else's equipment to begin with, we had to use the format that they could fill, yep. basically. So then once we sort of, we were phasing over from their production to our own production on site we wanted to use we've and also we've talked a lot in the past about having our own bottle shapes and because if you look at the like the bottle manufacturers websites for europe for america there's so many different Mm. shapes of brown amber um, crown seal carbonation filled bottles and they've got there's so many different options but in australia there's three and everyone uses one of them and the other one that we use, we seem to be the only one that I know of using them. So yeah, it, I'd, yeah. I'd, I haven't seen. Yeah, I'm, it look, I'll, I'll tell you what. It's and this probably. Yeah, I don't know if this is controversial. It looks like the a mini version of the pint bottle that little creatures used to. Yeah, shrunk to, down. Version. Yeah, yeah, which is really cool. Yeah, it reminds me of like red stripe, red stripe beer. Oh yes, yeah, the Jamaican dude. Yeah. Mm. It does yeah. have a really nice feel in the hand. I've got to say, as someone who delivers beer in a backpack within a five-kilometre radius from my house, 
they're bloody heavy, my friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a and lot of glass and the, the Brett bottle, you know, even empty is as heavy as, you know, probably a can full. I mean, it's that's a, a little different. That's a that's yeah. a fancy, fancy bottle that's made to hold a lot of pressure because it's, it it's, it's a beautiful bottle. But I'm just, you know, I'm just sort of fascinated by, you know, there's clearly a big transition in the industry and, you know, what, you know, for ones like that, would a Brett not work in a can? And, you know, explain why for people who are new to the show. I would like to try it personally, but... Um... As I was saying, you know, uh, because Brett has so much ability to continue fermenting and to continue taking things that are in solution and breaking them down and creating CO2, um, there's a good chance that if you age a Brett beer, it's going to be quite carbonated by the time you go to drink it. Um, if you, yeah, so you get a really old bottle of Orval, um, chill it down a little bit before you want to get, get the glass ready because it, it could spout out. And that's part of that's that's one of the, the nice things about it. It's going to be bright and effervescent, um, but yeah, there's also an overcarbonation and pressure risk. So, which is why we put our our breath bottle in very heavy, very sexy looking um, champenois bottles to take care of that risk. So, I'd I'd like to try breath beer in a can, but I don't know. I'd have to look into the the rating, the pressure ratings of cans. I guess they wouldn't shatter, which is good. They just tear. I feel like we have people in the room who might be able to answer the question for us in the chat as we go along, but we'll, we'll see whether that pops up or not. But don't get me wrong. It's a beautiful bottle and just, just looks fantastic. So yeah. um, we've got classic to that stage in champagne. the... Oh, sorry, Warren, off you. I oh, know, I was just saying, yeah, classic half champagne bottle. I really like it too. I think it's, it's awesome. And but... as predicted, uh, we've got... Uh, apparently it's 90 PSI dome reversal in a can. Um, 90 PSI. So thank so you, Count Jim Fleas Moriarty, for sharing uh, that information with us. There was always going to be someone in this room that was uh, going to be able to yeah. answer that question. It was... well, it's probably the bloke who does a lot of canning of things. So I, I figured he might, but I've got no idea whether 90 is high or not. Is that? Yeah, well, is, it depends on the temperature. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 And then. And then what's what's PSI to atmosphere? Well, isn't champagne six atmosphere? So, oh, geez. Oh, anyway. We, we measure in bar, so. I'm oh, yeah. Now is the time to have a, an amusing conversation rather than the techno nerd conversation. The good thing about being in the Zoom room with us on a Thursday night is that once we turn the microphones off, people can ask whatever questions they like and chat for as long as they like. And this just strikes me as nerd out in 15 minutes time type of conversation. But... Our traditional core room question is uh, is one that some people have three or four answers for. Some people don't necessarily have one straight off the cuff. But what's the most confronting or strange or amusing thing you've ever seen in a cool room or a uh, brewery, if you don't have a particular cool room story? This is the bit where we share what happens behind the scenes that people who come and sit out in the front bar don't realise is going on out the back. I read this question earlier today, and it took me a sec. Well, um, see, that's see, unlike Warren, you've done your prep, and I'd like to say just while you have a little bit of a think that yes, I that's very, fantastic. Very prepared, yes, Warren's own personal answer was that there was a giant shark. Uh, it wasn't giant. It was like a year eleven shark. or something. At yeah, the time. exactly. Yeah, when you're yeah. only four foot tall, uh, everything's giant. Okay, well, don't go back and listen to Warren's episode. Apparently, it's a small really. shark, and it's a really boring story. But um. Aaron, yourself. <laughs> I've, 
quite a while ago, I, I walked in on another brewer adjusting their underwear when I was going in to get some hops out of a cool room. That was pretty confronting. Um, How so much you, adjusting needed to be done? I, I feel was, like. you know, it was a bit uncomfortable during the day and sort of snuck into the cool room because that was a safe place. And then I was just wandering, blundering to grab some hops to brew with. And hey, I'm and walked out again and then moved on. And are there any sort of stories like the guys from Sierra Nevada when they were on famously sort of shared a story of ruining thousands and thousands and thousands of litres of beer because a valve flowed the wrong way or something like that. Have you ever had one of those ones where, particularly when you weren't running your own show, you realised that... There's there's always moments where you'd, you'd, like, especially early on, where you turn a valve that you shouldn't have or you... Um, because a lot of this is manual. Um, there's a lot of automated breweries, but we've worked in a lot of manual breweries. There's always a chance that you'll get sprayed with beer at some point. Um, yeah, we'd love a good explosion story. We've, you know... My son was wandering around the brewery um, a couple of years ago now, and he's, he's always great. I've never had to worry about him. He's, he helps me set up lines and things. He, I'd say, like, can you go and grab me a clamp? He looks sure, and he wants off and gets, brings over so he can set up. But he opened a sample port on a very pressurized tank and got blast in the face and he's never done it again. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh, but I laugh because I, I want to, how old was your son when he did? Yeah. That? How old was he? Yeah. That's a, uh, he probably was five. He's seven now. Uh, so I would, I would good. love he just, to he was just a bit five year old with, with. <laughs> he's just a bit belt. sheepish. I was like, what, what happened, mate? Like, nothing. <laughs> Poor little tyke. It's my son's ninth birthday today, so I'm in, you know, in in kind father mode at the moment. I feel sorry for your son there. (laughs) Now, as we uh, prepare to sort of move on from the stout to have a bit of a yarn about the other collab that some people have purchased, just a little reminder to people in the Zoom room, if you have a question or two for Aaron, now's the time to type it into the chat so that we can come around and make sure that you get to answer those questions and um, probably got time for three or four or thereabouts. So let us know and we're happy to happy to throw to you so that you can answer those uh, questions as we go along. But um, the White Rabbit collab. Um, Trav, do you want to sort of kick us off with just a very brief conversation for those people who've got one of those in their, um, in their packs? Sure thing, David. Um, in the pack tonight, if you purchase that, obviously you've got the... Uh, uh, the collaboration that Watch River do with White Rabbit. Aaron, given you came from White Rabbit previously when they were in Hillsville, um, give us a bit of a breakdown on how it came about that you guys ended up doing a collab together. Because um, Jez, our, our old head brewer, is still the head brewer of White Rabbit down at DeLong. And we're, we're still good mates and we still get on really well. So as uh, the first... We've done this is the third year that we've done it, and it's generally a good beer week thing that we get together to do, and there's an event for it. Uh, the first year was a barrel blend, which we've got sneakily got one keg of, which was meant to be brought out for good beer week this year, but it'll, it'll have to wait a little bit longer. And then last year we did, we brought a lot of the old brewers that we could get onto um, to brew out at, at our brewery, so we got them all together to talk about. A recipe and we brewed an imperial brute black belgian ipa which despite all the alliteration turned out really good and which was sort of going to be my next question so 
over the three years you've done this, each year has been completely different. Um, how do you decide which brewery is going to do the brewing? Uh, it's, <laughs> hey, do you want to do it? Yeah, yeah, oh, we can do it. That's fine. Yeah. Cool. Um, so the last two have been a bit or something like that. Yeah, it's it's who's got availability. Um, with this year, um, it was ours. Next year, we've I'm pretty sure we're going to do it down at Rabbit again. Um, but that's part of the fun as well. Like last year, we got all the guys to come out and brew on site. Um, this year, I drove down to pick up the beer, so we got to have a taste and walk around and see each other again, and then brought it back. And I think next year we're meant to be brewing down there, so we'll travel down there to do some of that. So it's just changing it up and you know trying out different things. And we both got gear and we both do different parts. Um, like this year, it was a a blend uh, of various different aged barrel product. That was that was sort of the premise because um, yeah, White Rabbit had some barrels of a, a Golden Strong, Belgian Golden Strong in some barrels, which I think on the side of the barrel was written Belgian Bubblegum. I don't know whether that was official, but that's what it had. So that that was sort of the base for where we started. Um, and from our stock, we had a couple of pun- uh, quite punchy, ready-to-go sour beers that we were saying that these are these are tasting pretty good at the moment. We need to do something with these. Um, so it worked pretty well. And we had a chat about it. We went back and forth over a few different ideas. Um, and so it, it turned out, yeah, we went and got went drove down in our transit van, which we can fit a tank into, picked up their beer out of the barrels, brought it back to Watts River and we selected the barrel that we, we did a few tastings on ratios and things and which barrel we liked and which fitted the profile and put that in and then we felt it needed um, sort of softening a little bit because it was quite punchy and complex by then. So we uh, a fresh beer, quite similar to our blonde and then added a little bit of that just to round out the the rough edges a little bit. So it was, yeah, three different, very different years of different ages sort of coming together to fill in each other's gaps. Yeah. yeah. So if you are drinking that, it's it's quite tart, but it doesn't drink like it's so tart. Um, because we sort of rounded that out a little bit and blended it off, um, there's a lot of sort of vinous, uh, I say leathery, um, tannic acidity in there as well but there's also some nice pillowy soft multi sort of wheaty body as well so it's i i personally i find it quite an interesting counterpoint between the two being a sort of a round light fresh beer and quite an aggressive complex sour beer all in one nice so um over the course of the virtual meet the brewer sessions we've had we always love to have a good chat about labels of particular beers um the white rabbit club this year has got a really cool label on it um and you guys which and it might be that i've never seen it on any other website before but you guys gave a shout out to your artist on your website is that something you've done in the past or is that a new and is jenny local to the area or is she a local artist Yep, she's she's uh, in Hillsville. So we we got in contact with her. We went out a look at um, a, well, we sort of just brainstormed about the few local artists that we knew and we really liked. And we thought Jenny's um, work because it's so bright and vibrant, and she works with colours so much. It would on a label would look excellent, and it's worked out really well. Yeah, and 
her idea behind the artwork of the two sides being the two different breweries coming together to form a whole and she chose um, uh, Australian themed colours to sort of blend in together to show the various ages and states of the beer coming together. Um, yeah, as a concept and as as a final product, it, it worked really well. So I think we're going to open this up to a few people in the Zoom room that might have a few questions, if anyone's got any questions. Uh, but before we do, you guys are one of the few, in fact, I would probably say you guys are the first brewery we've had on in a little while that don't do a NEPA. Um, when are you going to do a NEPA? I don't think we will. I just, yes. It's not our thing. Yes. Like, I don't, Ben and I don't really like them. Like they're, they're kind of beer. I, I do have them occasionally and probably enjoy them as well, but they're the kind of beer that I smell and I go, Oh, that's fruity and smells great. And then I have the first sip and I go, Oh, that's a big hot punch in fruit. And then I go, and it, yeah, um, that's, that's all I want. And then it's all minty, mentholy, pasty mouth feel. So I'm like, nah, it's just not for me. And we do um, the brute IPA thing. That started. We jumped, yeah. I, we did one of them straight away because that's one that we went. Yep, that's that's more our thing. That sounds great. So we we got one of them in pretty quick. What do you reckon happened to that sort of trend? I mean, obviously, you know, in one sense, the Brett's got a lot of those similar flavours, but things that were called brute were big for one summer. Maybe yeah. two summers there. I, and I was hoping that it'd last a little bit longer because I really enjoyed them. But maybe. People will just do the same sort of like the, the concepts sort of been around for a while, um, but it just hasn't had a sort of an archetype to go under. Do you think the Kavik, Kavak, 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 Kavak sort of thing is the <laughs> similar sort of thing in a different guise or? Yeah, I think so. That's stylistically, it works a bit differently, but I think it's the same, it's the same sort of end goal, depending on just different way of getting there. Sort of. But yeah, I, I like root beers. I think they're great. Yeah, particularly for sort of summer, I think they're fantastic. So. Mm. And they're so sneaky, like you don't even, don't even notice. Now we're going to throw open to the Zoom room. We've got Jane lined up for a question who I'm now going to unmute. And if anyone else in the Zoom room is ready to type in a question, uh, then we can throw to you as well. We've got room for a couple more questions. But Jane, hopefully. Uh, I think I'm unmuted. Is my, hopefully my microphone is working. Um, hello, Erin. Um, I don't share your sentiments about the NEPA. Um, I love the wild ales, and I was just wondering if you've got any more wild ale collaborations in the pipeline. Wild ale. Um, well, you know, like the uh, oh. oh, yes, we've all we've oh, always oh, got. Wild ale. Uh, we don't have any collab. Yeah, we've uh, we don't have any collaborations lined up at the moment, but we've always got um, wild stuff going on. We've got quite a few barrels in various stages um, that we keep going all the time. Uh, we've got a couple of Belgian beers at the moment in tank, which are looking good. So we've always got something happening. Always, we like that side. Anything along the sort of Flanders red line? Uh, not, you know, I haven't done that again. We're, that's stepping more into the, the sweet and sour side of uh, Belgian sour beer brewing. So it's, it's less of our thing. Um, we like personally, um, 
Ben and I both severely enjoy Goose. It's sort of one of the, the pinnacles of beer, I think, for both of us. So we lean towards that side a little bit more. So you, you mentioned you've mentioned one in particular along the way, but for people who are really out there and trying to find, you know, again, first time sort of hearing about a girls, you know, what ones are they going to find easy enough to to get somewhere in Melbourne, and what should they be looking for? Like, you know, it's a it's a style that doesn't sort of pop up in every corner brewery or corner bottle shop, I should say, every day. Now you gotta you gotta look for them, unfortunately. Um, Goose Boon is probably my favourite and whenever it's available we, we get a keg of it at the brewery and serve it at the brewery along with ours just because we love it. Um, I quite I really enjoy uh, the Lindemann's Goose as well. It's quite it's a little bit drier as well. Um, I agree. I drink things as well. Um, yeah, it's a little bit a uh, little bit sort of more aggressively crisp. Uh, the, yeah, the Lindemann's those, Elderflower, yeah. as a, I think we had one New Year's Eve and it was just a great sort of champagne surrogate, I guess. You know, it was just, it was a beer and it was delightful and cold on a hot sort of Melbourne New Year's Eve night. It was a fantastic drink to have. Yeah, they're, they're probably the two that if I think if I looked hard enough, I could find. And a great. Now, I'm, I've asked... Uh, we know that Miles has a question, but I'm yet to get a thumbs up or a thumbs down as to whether Miles would like to ask his question publicly or not. That's a, there's, there's so much shaking of heads, it's fantastic. But in which case, um, I, I'll ask it because it's actually a really interesting question. So Miles has got two great questions tonight. If we had a prize for questioner of the night, well, we don't, so there's no point in even considering that. So Miles, your question number two was, What's a beer that you've never brewed? And I presume you mean like a style that you've never brewed that you've always wanted to. Is, is there something that sort of falls into that category? And There's heaps of beers that I haven't brewed that I would like to brew. Oh, Flanders, yeah. Flanders Red, as mentioned before, I would like to try. So what um, is it about that style that A, excites you about the idea of brewing it and but so far hasn't been doable, I guess, is the follow-up question from that. I think for that style, because we personally prefer a drier, um, more brent forward wild beer, because they take so long, that's where we've put our effort. Because um, to, to brew a Flanders properly, it is again, a, a sour, a long age sour beer that is then blended. Um, so it's, it's gonna take us three years at least to get product. So it's not something I, yeah, that sort of thing. I don't know. Does that mean Styles. you need to sort of buy another, you know, another factory out in Hillsville and just sort of continue your march down the street? Is that? Yeah, another factory full of big oak fooders. That'd be great. Let's let's do that. A mini Rodenbach. Let's try that. I, th I think there'd be people who'd be very very excited to hear that. I'm trying to visualise if you've got the space either side of your brewery to actually make that happen, but I don't think you do. Yeah, the, I think the mechanic, Clint, on one side wouldn't like it if we did that. <laughs> We've got a, a fabricator on the other side who's both great. They're really good neighbours, but yeah, we, I don't think they'd let us put tanks in there. As nice as they are. Well, I sort of feel like the conversation's reached its natural 
sensible point before we go over into nerd, PSI, natural atmospheres and all of those kinds of bits of the conversation. Um, someone needs to wave their flippers in the air in the Zoom room if they have another question they desperately want to answer or ask before we, uh, before we close that bit of the show off. I see no hands in the air. So, um, Aaron, I presume that means that you have answered everyone's questions along the way. You've been very, very generous with your time tonight. And with some of the beers, they're a really exciting range of beers. Can you tell people um, how to follow you and the brewery on social media to make sure they don't miss out on all of those really exciting beers that you've described that weren't in people's packs this week? Uh, so Facebook and Instagram are the best place to keep in touch with us, uh, especially at the moment, uh, since we're very limited. Um, we're putting a lot of stuff and advertising, letting people know what we're doing a lot more. Um, before now, there was it was a bit like we could expect people to come in and then we could talk to them about our beer. Like we could, people would come into the brewery and we'd say, hey, check this out, what we've got. Whereas now people can't, can't come in, so we need to put things out a little bit more. Um, so yeah, what's River Brewing on Instagram and Facebook? Keep an eye on them. Got a few. All things one big long regularly. word. No gaps or anything else. What's no? Nah, what's River Brewing? That's us. Well, we we really encourage people to get behind that. We really encourage people to get behind the Cool Room podcast, social media as well. Um, the fact that What's River are delivering well certainly sort of Melbourne, Geelong, CBD and all other sort of places wide is a fantastic opportunity to try some beers that you might not normally get your hands on. And um, I reckon what we might do, Travis, is finish up the recorded part of things and then we can sit around and ask all of those questions about how to make a highly pressurised can. Sounds Thank good. you everyone for coming along. Thank you, Aaron. It's, no worries. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. You guys are doing a good thing, keeping, you know, small local beer out to the people. That's, uh, that's the plan. That's what we go for. And uh, it's, it's working very well. So, yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Aaron. That was awesome. Hey there, Cool Room listeners. We've got a little ad for you. No, we're not asking for money so that you can advertise quality mattresses, razors, or any of those other sort of things that seem to get advertised on podcasts. What we're looking for is other fun podcasts that would like to share a 30-second ad with our listeners, letting everyone know why they're so great, and in return, letting us share a 30-second ad for The Cool Room. We know that right now there's a whole lot of people who are looking for fun new podcasts to help them while away their isolation hours, so if you've got something to share, drop us a line via our Facebook or Instagram accounts. Right. Head over.